The great Tao flows everywhere, both to the left and to the right. It loves and nourishes all things, but does not lord it over them. And when merits are accomplished, it lays no claim. Namaste, world. I'm very grateful to welcome you to another episode of The Real You, a podcast about finding your true self through strengthening your mind, taking care of your body, listening to your soul, and cultivating your spirit. My name is Caleb. My name is Vince. And we'll be your guides. The Real You. So in this week's episode, We are joined by a fellow U of T student here, founder of Your Mindful, a way to bring and shed light on the importance of practicing mindfulness in the workplace through guided meditations and workshops. She is a certified meditation teacher and soon-to-be authoritative yoga teacher. We would like to introduce our guest for this week, Elisha Jade. Hi, how are you guys doing? I'm super excited to be on the podcast. Hey, Elisha. Glad to have you on board for this week's episode. We're excited too. You're our first guest, so we're super honored, super grateful to have you. (laughs) I'm very honored. You did have a meditation to start off our day. Caleb, why don't you lead with that? Meditation isn't here to fix you. It's here to reveal you to yourself. And not everyone is ready to see themselves. Can you explain to us why you chose that quote today, Alicia? Absolutely. So that is a quote from myself. (laughs) And that quote's very important to me because I got into meditation to fix myself. Truly, I did. And we'll get into that story a little bit later. But I got into meditation because I was trying to figure out the world around me through my own eyes. And then I did. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) this is scary. I don't think I'm ready for all of that. But since I accepted that invitation, which I believe came from the universe, I had to roll along with it because I was in too deep. And so I decided to push myself along on the path towards, which I now realize was becoming a meditation teacher, but as well, just along the path towards becoming more awake, becoming more alert to the world around me, but as well to myself. So why meditation? What led you to find meditation? Yeah, of course. So I'd actually practiced from when I was a child. I grew up in a very conservative religious environment, almost culty, if you will. (laughs) And in this environment, we learned how to pray from when we were children, like literally right down on your knees for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes. You were there, you were praying, you were trying to connect to God and you were trying to open yourself up and be vulnerable with this sentient being above you. So my experience with meditation began when I was much younger because a part of prayer also does involve meditation. Within that experience, I I really did pull that into my early 20s when I began to meditate again, but more in the quote unquote conventional way that we understand it in Western culture as sitting, breathing, being guided through, whether it be an app or it being a person right in front of you in a studio. And after this experience, I found that a lot of the symptoms that I had been experiencing through, I guess, pressure in my workplace, which were 
anxiety, depression, crying all the time, panic attacks. I was a mess, you guys. <laughs> and honestly, after experiencing all of that, I was like, whoa, 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 hang on. Okay, our mental health system is a little bit of a mess. And I remember I'd actually gone into an appointment at CAMH, which is one of the only places that you could really go to for mental health assessments. Um, in Toronto where it's easier and it's not privatized. So that appointment took a very long time for me to get to finally. And when I did get to that appointment, it was like somebody was just sitting there and picking me apart for 30 minutes, handed me four diagnoses and sent me along my way. And I remember thinking, okay, cool. I feel a bit relieved because I understand myself better, but also not cool because what do I do? That doesn't cost a lot of money. What do I do that is not only affordable to me, but also accessible to me? Because part of some of my issues also involved almost feeling frozen and anxious in certain moments and my body not being able to keep up with my brain and thinking, okay, I need to get up, I need to get ready, I need to get out and not doing any of those things. So getting up and going to group therapy or getting up and going to see a therapist who only had 30 minutes for me and it was public health care was not fun so I said okay okay okay. I need to figure something else out for myself and it was like a light bulb just clicked on when I read Louise Hay's book you can heal your life right and that book was like a slap in the face in the best of ways um Louise does not hold back when she describes her own life but as well why we feel stuck in our own lives too and through reading her book, I was then opened to other books about self-help and spirituality and meditation and really rebuilding yourself. So that led me along onto the path of understanding the teachings and work of Gabrielle Bernstein, who I absolutely love, and then taking her course, Spirit Junkie Masterclass. And through taking that course, my path was honestly revealed to me. I knew that I wanted to be a light worker and a teacher for people. I just didn't know what that was gonna look like. So I took her course and that led me to becoming a meditation teacher. I booked a ticket to India without knowing what I was gonna do. I just saw a cheap ticket. And then I started looking at meditation teachers courses that hopefully coincided with my dates. Found one that literally fell right in the middle of my dates and paid for it and went. And so now I'm a certified meditation teacher, but. I really allowed the process to come to me and enforce anything. I really allowed myself to hop on the path and not really ask any questions. Hey, it sounds like you are fully in alignment and you kind of just went with the flow. Absolutely. That was very important to me. And as a Capricorn and somebody who definitely associates very much (laughs) with that sign, I find that I like to plan. I am a planner. I like to save, I like to plan, but my life was completely flipped on its head in so many ways that there is no way to plan for your best friend passing away. There's no way to plan for being unemployed. There's no way to plan for a parent being sick and unemployed. And those were all things, a few things on the list of things that I had experienced on my path and I couldn't prepare for those things. The only thing I could really do is hold on to my practice of meditating well, when you're going through and making these big life decisions, traveling across the world, were you really worried at all because you normally plan everything out? Or did you find you had a sense of peace and you're just trusting your intuition? That's a great question. So one thing that I kind of skipped over, and I find that sometimes I do when I tell my story, 
is I'm a travel blogger. So for me, picking up and packing a bag and going across the world was not a huge deal for me because I'd done it so many times before. My biggest trip was three years ago. I went to China, Shanghai specifically, and mainland for a month. And that actually, I, I took that trip and I started my travel blog after my best friend had passed away um, quite tragically and very suddenly. And I kind of looked at my life and a few months before I'd been laid off and like I had a family member who was quite sick who I was supporting at the time. And I kind of, my best friend passing away made me really look at my life and say, what are you doing here? What is happening here? You know, I was a university dropout. I, because I had to take care of this family member, or at least that's what I told myself. And that was the reality. I had to kind of pick up and financially be the breadwinner. And through all of those things happening and me kind of rolling with those punches, finding a semblance of independence equaled me starting a travel blog. So I kind of picked up, went to China for a month through an awesome opportunity. I'd applied for a job there. They said I asked for too much money, but they liked my content. <laughs> so I went and uh, they put me up for a month and I learned, uh, I learned Mandarin for a month, actually. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely loved it. Came back to Toronto and said, yeah, no, I, I have to keep going. So a few weeks later, I went to Switzerland. And a few weeks after that, I then went to the east coast of Canada with a friend of mine. We got an RV company to sponsor us, and we drove cross-country. And then after that point, I went back to China and to Thailand and really built a lot of content around my experience of traveling around the world. So like I mentioned at the beginning, picking up and traveling across the world wasn't as big of a deal for me, but it still was a big deal in the sense that I had the opportunity to change my life. And I really knew that this trip could make or break my future in the sense of spirituality and my path. And I felt that I was destined to be there and it truly was such an eye-opening and crazy fun experience. Alicia, I think you have an absolutely beautiful soul. Thank you. I love how brave and independent you are from navigating through CAMH, losing your job, and losing your friend. You overcame so much adversity without losing yourself in the suffering to be the person that you were meant to be. Thank you. I thankfully always had a very positive outlook on my life optimistic to the point of it being almost annoying like Pollyanna I remember reading that book as a kid and thinking wow I am just like her because she could take any situation including her own fatal end of uh, I believe she was blind at the end of the book but she still found a way to find a positive in that and I thought that was such a beautiful thing and that's so important to have right just something to keep you grounded and rooted and Something you can always fall back on when you're feeling down. Now, you did mention something earlier. We haven't discussed about it on the show yet, but you mentioned something about being a light worker. Can you explain to us what that is? What a light worker means to me is to bring a semblance of hope to the world. Like I mentioned before, I really do feel that it is my gift to be able to look positively in many of those moments. And it's not to say that I didn't breakdown crying like I literally went to multiple doctors saying what is wrong with me why do I keep crying why do I keep having panic attacks why do I feel sad all the time what is happening to me and I 
found a solution, at least for myself, in building a meditation practice. But it wasn't just the practice itself that I felt healed me. It was more me taking the time to pour some love on myself. Meditation, like I mentioned before, is not to fix you. It's to assist you in being able to see and be mindful of the world around you. And I believe that light working, at least in my case, is to give people hope, whether that be through meditation or whether that be through holding the mirror up to themselves to say, you can hopefully solve this problem in whatever way is available to you. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be in a negative loop. You can be open. And many of my gurus and teachers have showed me and taught me how to do that. And I'm super grateful for that. That's awesome. And that's similar to uh, why I wanted to start this podcast with Caleb as well. It was a calling. I did my experiences that I wanted to share. I went through a pretty rough time as well and kind of had the same thought process where there's something wrong and I just can't figure it out. It took some time to do some self soul searching, just knowing that there is something, there is a calling for me. Just couldn't figure out what it was until Caleb actually jokingly suggested that we start a podcast with our experiences and just try and help people out. And at first, although it started as a joke, it really resonated with me. That's part of the reason why we started this podcast today. And I'm glad to have someone you who had your experiences share what a light worker means. So brave of you to talk about your experience too. And I really believe like a lot of people can relate to that story of just sadness, just trying to figure out yourself, your life. Did you find that before you went to India and before you went to even China for the first time, you already had a strong sense of identity or it was during that process you found yourself? No, I did not have a strong sense of self. I needed to learn to respect myself more. I needed to learn to respect my time and the time of others around me. I needed to build new habits. I definitely do believe that I'd had some hand in some of the things that had happened to me. I was entitled, was very selfish, and I promise you, if you speak to some of my friends uh, who were around back then some of them will definitely say oh yeah Alicia was great like she was super sweet she's super nice and others will be like oh no Alicia was definitely a nightmare back then and such a mess and the people who say that I was a mess are those who are closest to me who knew I was cranky all the time working a job that I thought oh this is my dream job no it really wasn't and that was one that I'd been laid off from and while that manager at that time was definitely trying to save face in certain areas and we definitely weren't on the same page. <laughs> I do recognize that I was entitled and I recognize that my ego needed to be checked and it really was. Mm -hmm. After losing that job, I was working two, uh, what jobs were, I was working like two minimum wage jobs at a time, uh, working doubles at a restaurant and then working at another low pay paying job right down the street from me for a uh, small-ish not-for-profit and so they couldn't pay very much at the time I wasn't skilled at that job either so even then my ego mm. needed to be checked in those moments because I thought I'm better than this I could do bigger jobs than this instead of me just focusing and zeroing in on the fact that I needed to get this work done I needed to move forward and without even realizing that my life would be flipped on its head and after my best friend had passed away like I mentioned before, that really was a catalyst for me to look around and say, okay, we can do better than this, but not because of an ego trip or anything like that, but more because we respect ourselves. 
you know, like, I love myself, I, I'm going to pour that love onto myself, I'm going to give myself distance from those I feel who are destructive in my life, I'm going to only be around people who I feel better once I leave, little things like that that I really utilize to kind of transform and change, but that was through me, like you mentioned before, trying to figure out who I was and understand who I was in this world. That took me a while to get to that point, and I think that travel really did speed that process up because there are many people who are middle-aged who I speak to or even in their old age who I speak to who may not have come to this type of revelation. They've come to many others and are wise about so many other things than I am, trust me. But being able to identify and point to yourself and really look at yourself and say, hey, here's something that we need to fix. Hey, you didn't need to speak to that person that way hey, and just really go through that list without judgment. That took a lot of reading, took a lot of traveling, took a lot of alone time. And through re-educating myself about who I am, because mm-hmm. oftentimes we're born as we are, but we lose touch of certain sides of ourselves that we try to, um, there's that saying where people kind of like curve their edges to try to fit in for people. And I definitely curved a lot of my Mm -hmm. edges. I'm loud, I'm fun, I love to get out there, but in a lot of settings, I found that people were like, shh, no, be quiet, shh, we can't laugh right now. And I really learned to dim that light in myself. And now, of course, I've learned I can't, you know, giggle in the middle of a funeral, (laughs) but I still will be my joyful, jovial self, no matter the setting. I will give myself time to reset. I will meditate. I will take long baths. I'll do things that I find are very important for my self-care. And through doing that, I was able to reveal myself to myself. I definitely resonated with a lot of that. In the beginning, growing up, your career just means so much. And you identify so much, even your self-worth from your success in life. No, I definitely understand that. That was something I had to learn to do too, which was to separate that career mindset. Thankfully, I will say, my mom, she actually homeschooled me for part of high school. So because of that, I did have a lot of alone time because I'm an only child. Me too. Hey, what, what? Only children, stand up. (laughs) (laughs) And I, because of that alone time, I had the opportunity to really learn a lot more about myself. Through that, too, alternative idea of education and understanding the institutions around us that aren't necessarily needed but are just used for control, through that, I was able to say, oh, I don't really need a conventional career. You know, I graduated high school, I think a year later, a year and a half late because of the homeschooling. I had to go back into an alternative school and do a few credits. But at that time, I was already, I'd already had a full-time job. I'd already put myself through school, through doing books. I'd already volunteered and worked for really cool organizations that many people are trying to get to work for. But that was because homeschooling gave me that flexibility. But as well, it gave me the chance to at least, I'd say, 50% refine myself and, and open myself up to different things and not necessarily be influenced by high school education and people bullying me or telling me to not be who I am. I was a music theater nerd and I'll always be that, but 
homeschooling kind of gave me that chance to let go of those ideals around career and around university, etc. Mm-hmm. Bruce Lee had a quote, the greatest help is self-help. Oof. I just can't help but think of that quote like during your story. It's amazing how you just took control of the situation. You invested in yourself, read books. You didn't accept the circumstances and you just detached all the external factors you couldn't control in life from your family, your surroundings, these events. You managed to take that away and still find the real self and separate all that from you. I think like there's so much to learn from that story. Oh yeah, and that took time, truly, because in the moments, it wasn't that easy. It was very difficult, of course, you know, going to my best friend's funeral and, and seeing how broken up her family was, seeing how broken up um, her ex-boyfriend was as well. We were all really close. And it was tough to go through those moments, but thankfully for me, my faith never shook. Like, I always did and, and understand that we are just a tiny blip in the universe and we have a job to do if we answer our invitation and you guys answered the invitation for yourselves building this podcast to spread some light and do this work and I don't know I think that self-help was just mandatory for me there was no there was no other way for me to really have gotten through those times it should even it should be mandatory like everyone should be learning this mm-hmm. I agree we have a good understanding of where you came from when at what point did you decide you wanted to become a meditation teacher and what was it that uh, sparked that interest? Yeah, of course. So ever since I was a child, I'd been told that I'd be a great teacher. And I think it's because I'm so interested in learning myself and I genuinely am interested in sharing that information with others. So when I read a book, I post it on my Instagram story straight away. I tell people to buy it or if a friend comes to me for advice, Sometimes I'll give advice of my own, from my own experiences, but usually I'll say, oh, go read A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. Or, you know what, The Universe Has Got Your Back by Gabrielle Bernstein really did a great job for me. Or if somebody's a baby meditator, I'll say, oh my gosh, read Wherever You Go, There You Are by John Kabat-Zinn. So I think that I'd, I'd always wanted to be a teacher somewhere deep down, but of course through growing up and as Kayla would kind of mentioned that <laughs> career mindset and how much that people had really put on to you even the conventions and understandings of what a teacher is I'd always thought okay it's somebody who goes to school then goes to school again then applies to be part of a district can't do it becomes a supply teacher until they can do it and I was like these are none of the things that I want <laughs> for my life <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. but I ended up revisiting that calling that I'd always felt while taking Gabrielle Bernstein's Spirit Junkie Masterclass. And that's an online digital course, which I absolutely loved. She only opens it up, I think, once every other year. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And I did. And it's a course all about, or at least it's a course for people who are either spiritually minded and need to be more business minded or who are business minded and want to be more spiritual minded. That is the easiest way to describe it. She brings in guest speakers like Rock Goddess or Jay Shetty to talk about their experiences and how they built their businesses through being meditation teachers or spiritual workers or light workers. And while watching it, all I could think of was, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. <laughs> and so I'd found the power of meditation really to transform my life. As I described before, I was in a job that I enjoyed but I did not enjoy the environment. It was a tech startup that 
was really running on steam and as a result of poor business practices the blame was pointed on the employees and that caused a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress for me like crying in the bathroom was a regular thing that some of us would joke about on slack but when i really think back i'm like that is so unhealthy yeah. <laughs> and you know the the work that i'd done after reading louise hay's books it made me look at myself and say okay let's do some cord cutting meditations let's manifest a new job let's create a vision board for this job write out what you want from your manager i really did a lot of that kind of manifestation work to build a new future and I have a new job that I'm enjoying and I like my manager and I said I need to bring this to other people how can I do that so then this course kind of fell on my lap um, that summer after I quit my job and started a new one and I said okay let's roll into it whatever this means so I answered the call before even understanding or knowing that I'd be a meditation teacher and then like I mentioned before I ended up finding a certification online that I did so much research for oh my goodness I was like do I want to be a yoga teacher or do I want to be this thing or that thing but like I mentioned before the dates just kind of lined up for when I booked my ticket to India and I said okay this seems beautiful I'll fly out to Goa and I'll meet this incredible guru Shiva and he'll teach me how to be a meditation teacher and he really did and there was a teacher there named um, Bipul as well and they both taught us in partnership uh, passive meditations and active meditations and yeah now I'm certified to teach it all so awesome <laughs> yeah you said that when you first tried meditation it completely changed the way you felt absolutely can you briefly describe the feeling that you felt when you first practiced meditation so when it came to unconscious meditation, so I didn't understand that, for instance, practicing yoga, which I'd been doing off and on since I was about nine, because my mom bought these VHSs for me, and I remember popping the tape in and doing yoga in my <laughs> living room, and then at the end, of course, you go into Shavasana, and that's, of course, yoga itself is a form of meditation, active, and right. then going to Shavasana, the active meditation leads into the passive. So I just remember that being my favorite part funny enough about yoga was laying in shavasana and really embodying my practice and almost feeling like it was a vibration then moving into me practicing and experiencing meditation i'd say in my 20s the i'd done a few guided meditations here or there on youtube or i kind of sat and breathed here or there but i remember being in switzerland for a brand slash travel blogger trip we were on this mountain and in this chalet that a company had provided for myself and I believe it was five or four other women to stay in. We all became quite close and one day we all decided to do a morning meditation. And so imagine sitting on this mountain looking out at these beautiful clouds and we did a headspace guided meditation. And it was incredible and I thought to myself, okay, I enjoy this. This is very relaxing. Went running afterwards. I felt energized. But passive meditation isn't actually my favorite. I found that through dance and especially ecstatic dance, which I learned how to teach. Mm -hmm. And I also experienced at a place called The Source in Goa, where you literally dance for two hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you are sweating you are barefoot there is no talking 
sometimes your eyes are closed or your eyes could be softly gazing ahead and you are moving your body in any way it chooses. <laughs> and I would say that meditation, of course, is a very spiritual experience if you're open to it. And especially through active meditations, I found that I'm able to embody the practice so I can feel tingling, I can feel bliss, I can feel satisfaction and happiness. There have been times when I felt anxious during meditation and I had to refocus what I was doing. But really, I'd say the best feeling for me in meditation is afterwards. When I open my eyes and I send myself gratitude for practicing, that I'd say is my favorite feeling and one of the best ones that you could experience. There you go. That's what you should be feeling after meditation, guys. (laughs) And writing a lot of stuff down, like adding all this to my bucket list is incredible. (laughs) Oh, honestly, definitely visit the source. It is it is so cool. And there's no drugs allowed, no alcohol allowed. They only give you water. No cell phones allowed as well. You're truly meant to be very present. And I should also note that meditation, as many people know, is about becoming aware of the present and allowing the present to happen. Right. And so that is something that we do not cherish in today's society. It's all about looking at the future, planning for the future, being in the future, even though it's not there yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Or looking at the past and trying to not repeat those mistakes. So in an argument, a friend of mine, she recently got into an argument with her boyfriend. And I asked her, I said, hey, are you angry at him for this tiny thing that he's done? Or are you mad at him because your ex-boyfriend did something kind of similar, but not to the same extent? And you think that that's going to be your future. So she was living in the past and the future and not living in the moment. And so... Meditation also feels foreign because we're not taught to be present or at least in my household I wasn't taught to be present. I was taught to look ahead, look to the future, prepare for the future mm-hmm. until my life came to a screeching halt and I just had to be where I was. <laughs> Even our institutions, like the education system, I find that in North America it does train you to always just focus on the future, right? When you're in like grade one, you look forward to grade two or you finish high school, look forward to university, you finish university, you're looking forward to entering the work field. It's never just maximizing the opportunity we have right now. Absolutely. And unfortunately, because of that, that's why so many people feel so lost after university. They've been in school their entire lives up until Mm -hmm. their early 20s, picking a career in the exact same classroom where they aren't even allowed to use the bathroom unless they raise their hand how does not compute this is so sus <laughs> it's absurd no <laughs> that's just so key truly because we are taught to just always look ahead and to not be here and be present and even a lot of people will not value the work that i do and that's okay because they live in in that zone and but but to look at that and to see that people aren't valuing the treasure and the gift of being present Oh, that's why we're doing this podcast that's why i mm-hmm. you started your company your meditation company so we bring these people to the light <laughs> personally during like a time when i was not satisfied like so like finished university worked for a few years i just wasn't satisfied where i was in life that's when a mentor recommended meditation for me as well and i know when i started i had the hardest time the best i could do was meditate for five minutes what i do every morning I wake up five minutes i sit cross-legged and it was like a very almost tedious experience for me 
it was only when I read that in a book that how Bruce Lee meditated, he did active meditation as well when he went on runs. And through that, I got inspired to try yoga and Tai Chi. And it was when doing these physical tasks to distract the body, my mind truly, I felt how I should feel in meditation. That really sped up the process for me as well. But the dance part, I'm super, I just see it like such a way to express your soul. That sounds amazing. Yeah, the source sounds like such a free and liberating experience. It just sounds so amazing. Oh, it is. Yeah, and uh, my guru Shiva, he described the fact that when we teach ecstatic dance, he told us what to look for as teachers. And he said, when you're teaching, you will even see people who have their eyes completely shut start to turn and dance with each other and not even realize <laughs> because our bodies are just so aware of things without even our sight and without some of our other senses they're just heightened and okay. i i really do love active meditations because like you mentioned before we are distracting the body and that really gives us the opportunity to focus in and be present and that's one of the reasons why i do teach a humming meditation for people who are just learning about how to meditate because you're focused in on your breath but your breath in action so your breath in action of like humming itself but i'd love to definitely try a running meditation sometime i used to run long distance so i'm gonna give that a go well, i started running in the winter and it took a lot of like willpower to start in the beginning but i found that when running in the cold the cold just forces you to be in the present like there's so much we can learn from being in the cold like nature is the best teacher my favorite time to run. Yeah, my favorite time to run is in winter and when it's raining even too sometimes. It's the best because you don't feel as hot, number one. And you, you really are very present. You're like, okay, don't trip, don't slip, and be careful, and I'm freezing. Oh wait, no, now I'm hot. Like you're really able to just be in your body and focus in on different things that are happening. Totally. It's like a body scan, but you're running. <laughs> you did say something about the hum meditations and how it's for beginners uh, what else do you recommend for someone who's mm -hmm. just starting out meditation and wants to begin practicing meditation absolutely yeah so i definitely do i'm a mix when it comes to that because I, I really do think that it's super subjective right so of course i do recommend the humming meditation because it's one of the quickest ones for me to do a tutorial on. And most people, if it's available to them, can hum. <laughs> really do recommend that one. But I do love the fact, Caleb, that you did start with five minutes because a lot of people are in a race to be good at meditation and that's not what meditation's about. Mm -hmm. And wherever you go, there you are. I read that book at the end of last year I think it was actually in the fall of last year and that book saved my meditation game because earlier that I believe it was actually the end of summer I took a break from meditating I was like you know what I'm gonna stop for a little bit because I just found that it was becoming a routine but in a very ego-y way where it's like oh, I did my second meditation today I'm so cool and when it comes to meditation before people even start I often recommend that they just read some books first and understand the gift of meditation first before they really dive into it. So understanding, for instance, the background, even books that seem to portray meditation in the Western sense as negative. So books like Pick Mindfulness, I recommend even too. Uh, Self-help and spiritual books like You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. That one for some people is a bit out there, but that book really did change my <laughs> life and I loved it. 
A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson is also great. And through those books, I was able to cultivate an idea and an understanding of connecting through meditation. So connecting to the world around me, if people are open to it, connecting to the spiritual world around them. And then I was able to really develop and build a practice that worked for me. As well, I recommend that people do research first when they're about to get into meditation. So understanding and knowing that there are so many different kinds of meditations. Kundalini meditations, for instance, while there is controversy around the guru who started it, it actually is such a transformative experience to begin a meditation by shaking. Then you move into dance. Then you move into sitting. And then you move into laying down. So I recommend that people just do a lot of research into the different types of meditation and then do almost like speed dating meditations go to a studio if you can afford it you know try a sit down meditation at home try laying down meditation at home do yoga go for a running meditation honestly give them a try and when you find one that you connect with or even if you find one that's the hardest and the most challenging keep doing it (laughs) that's what i say just you just keep doing it and once you you do that it honestly that's that's the point of transformation yeah definitely believe the most effective meditation is meditation that works for you finding your own practice yes absolutely one that works for you and one that challenges you i'd say do one every other day so one that is kind of tough for you do that on mondays and then one that works for you do that on wednesdays now just one question what's the best piece of advice you would give to the 18 year old version of yourself don't date him. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the advice. Do not date him. And that's it. But if you didn't date him, would you be the person you are today? No, but I think I'd be probably better off. Okay, that's smart. <laughs> no, <laughs> be critical. Like, well, no, no, no. Okay, okay. Serious answer. <laughs> what advice I would give to myself: ask for help. Mm. That is the number one. I found that a lot of the different pickles that I ended up in, it's because I decided to not ask for help until it was too late. I allowed my ego to get in the way and I decided to not ask for help and then I ended up in trouble. I ended up not being able to, for instance, go back to school because the timing didn't work out. I lived too far away. I had to start providing in my household and so my money was allocated to having a roof over my head versus going back to school. But I didn't decide to ask for help from those around me. And I decided to let my ego and my pride lead the way. And that's that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's super useful. I think my 18-year-old me would have definitely appreciated that <laughs> bit of advice, mm-hmm. too. <laughs> yeah, just ask for it. You never know what could happen. Just like yourself, when I was 18, I had, like, tons of ego. And to be honest, for me, the only way I broke that ego was just failing like just failing everything in my life going wrong and they'll take a step back and that's when life really humbled me what was the catalyst for change i'm definitely breaking down my ego every day even this week last week last month i'm still working on her like she just wants to hang on (laughs) um but when it comes to ego work itself there are many different processes you can take spiritually non-spiritually when it comes to your ego but i think Really looking at yourself and asking the question, do you want to be tired, is my number one, genuinely. Because my ego wears my my body down, wears my mind down, 
And I'm just so tired by the end of it of judging people, making assumptions, of not asking for help, of thinking I could do it all on my own, of showing off, of talking too much, of being too much as well in certain moments. And that's just ego. And I think I really had to ask myself and say, do you want to be tired? You know, there are certain things that have come up for me in previous jobs where, you know, somebody may not have liked my ideas. And so I took that as a personal attack, even though I thought oh, my idea is the best thing on the planet or somebody taking my idea and quote unquote stealing it as their own. And my ego going into hyperdrive, like, fuck, like this, that person could have never come up with the idea. Like that's my idea, blah, blah, blah. Even though we're all one collective mind. And instead now if something like that comes up for me I look at that and I have I still have to reel myself back do not get me wrong but I reel myself back and I say cool I could pour that idea or that strategy that people have rejected and put that into my own business I have that opportunity now to spend my energy into my baby and put put my energy into my baby and put it into something that I love and the thing that I love helps others Mm -hmm. how incredible is that why not put my energy into that? Why put my energy into my ego, arguing with people, uh, giving attitude and being passive aggressive, thinking that's the solution? I, I ain't got that time. So I'd rather be rested and refreshed and drop my ego. And it's easy to say, but through meditation, because it's a process of allowing yourself to become aware of things, even when you don't like them, through that process, I learned how to slowly but surely drop my ego for sure yeah and i think that's uh something that a lot of people struggle with and even fail to recognize that they struggle with it but so it's important to kind of check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of thing right <laughs> <laughs> i've heard that before <laughs> no i definitely agree and it's yes about the fatigue but also just about like what do you want from your life like if you have certain goals you don't have to get caught up in certain moments. Like a good friend of mine, we call mm-hmm. each other almost every day. We talk about certain things that might come up at work or this or that. And I say, is it worth it? Like, is this like battle or this fight really worth it in the grand scheme of the multi-million dollar business you want to build on the side right now? Is this petty argument worth it? She literally says, no, but. And I'm like, no buts. <laughs> <laughs> Always no buts. And we do that to each other. So <laughs> No but. <laughs> I like that. It's kind of like how we have our accountability partners here with the real you. It's good to have someone to hold you accountable. Absolutely. And absolutely, I love how your story confirms important such as having some alone time, listening to yourself and just taking that time for introspection. And I'm so happy to see that that's what you did for your journey and that helped you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I do have the benefit of being an only child and Of course, many people who are listening to this do understand and know that we're currently in a quarantine as a result of COVID-19. And this alone time has been a complete blessing for me. I am, many people can't tell, but when I took the 16 personalities test, I am like a 51% introvert, although I think I'm probably more of an introvert now. And... So I come off as extroverted, but I I truly am an introvert. I love being by myself. I love having alone time and recharge time. And 
through the quarantine, though, it's really given me the chance to understand my learning style and how I pay attention to things and what times I like to work and that I don't necessarily want to have to roll over and shower and go to work every day. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> and so, but those things are revealed to me through, like you mentioned before, Caleb, through that alone time. And I do believe it's super important to have that alone time. I'm going to host my own quarantine silent retreat in April. April 25th, yeah, I'll post the date up and I'm going to invite a lot of people to do that for themselves if it's available to them in their living space or if they, I have a friend who's probably going to like rent a cabin or something and isolate herself out there as well and yeah, like if people are open to it, host a silent retreat on your own <laughs> and really take that time to look within yourself, whether it be through meditation or yoga or running or stretching or just sitting and breathing that alone time yeah. and i can definitely put that event in our show notes so if any of our listeners were curious they can just find um the details in our show notes do you want to talk a little bit about the company you started you're mindful of course so i started the company because and i, I kind of touched in about this before but my workplace at the time like not my current one i love my workplace now but <laughs> my previous workplace really took a toll on my mental health and as a result of that, I really had to look for solutions and answers in a broken system, a system that doesn't necessarily regard mental health at the same rate as physical health. Although, when your mental health is affected, you do end up having physical, I guess, symptoms. So for me, my physical symptoms were shaking, aches, pains, panic attacks, uh, crying a lot. Y'all, I cried so much and being miserable and cranky and irritable and I just knew I was like this is not me this is not who I am like what is happening right now and once I had quit that job and did like my own personal mini mental detox a lot of those symptoms went away like I have I genuinely I think the last time I'd had a mini panic attack I was traveling for a bit but it was just some heavy breathing and chest tightness. And I said, no, we can work through this. Before, it was just a very painful and difficult experience for me. And I started my company because I knew that there were so many women who needed support, especially in the tech space, in the, in the startup space. And I couldn't find it. I was looking around. I was like there with my binoculars. I was like, y'all, um, anybody out here? Can anybody help me? And I, I personally just couldn't find it. And as I'd mentioned at the start, meditation isn't a be-all, end-all for fixing things. But it does assist you on the path towards being able to fix things and on the path towards repair. I do consider it to be something super essential for people who are on their journey. And many of uh, practitioners of MBSR in a clinical setting can definitely to attest to the fact that their patients have been able to recover through certain types of meditations and are in remission as a result. And so I started Your Mindful to be a space for women specifically to talk about their experiences and for us <laughs> to really just meditate and have a safe space to meditate. And when I say women, I do also include those who are non-binary and men are definitely invited and welcome to the party. But my content does focus in specifically on assisting women on their journey especially because we aren't taught how to be in workplaces, not just women, but people as a whole. And, you know, Caleb, I'm sure that 
you'd spoken to this before, but you start a job, you think it's going to be like the coolest thing ever. And then you look around and you say, wait, this is it. Like this, this is life. This is what it's supposed to be. Okay. All right. Let me just do this until I die. Y'all like it's how, how is that supposed to just be life? And so, yeah, I really wanted to open up a space, not a physical one, but a digital space and as well to go into workplaces and offer workshops, meditations, and opportunities for women to also meet each other. So hosting ecstatic dance parties for women to have a safe space to dance with each other, get to know each other, and workshops for mindful listening and mindful entrepreneurship and management. So really it's it's all about just coming together, especially with feminine energy and being able to share the gift Man, that is the present moment. That's a beautiful vision. So if our audience wanted to find your guided meditations, is it best like to go on your website, your Instagram or? All of it. People can find me on my personal Instagram, Elisha Jade. So E-L-A-I-S-H-A-J-A-D-E. Or they can find me at Your Mindful, Y-O-U-R underscore M-I-N-D-F-U-L. Either of those socials and on Instagram or on Twitter. And as well, I'll have my website listed in the link. So it's just yourmindful.com or elishajade.com and I'll have a million resources for people to be able to take in and experience book me for a meditation whether that be online or in person and even just a space for people to talk if somebody needs to email and kind of talk things through I'm definitely open to pointing them in the right direction if I can't assist them or giving them a little bit of hope all of Alicia's contact information will be in the show notes so you should check it out because her guided meditation is this week's accountability challenge. Awesome. The challenge is to follow her guided meditation and afterwards send her some gratitude and your thoughts on the meditation. I know this will inspire you and equip you with tools to better navigate your everyday life and your self-discovery journey. Beauty. Can't wait to hear from you guys. All right. Before we wrap this up, I just want to thank you once more, Alicia. We are super grateful to have you on board for today's episode. Thank you. Oh, you were amazing, just so you know. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for having me. This is my first podcast interview, guys. So Yeah, I'm I can super... see why people are saying uh, they can see you as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Now, is there anything else you want to say before we end off the episode, Alicia? Well, my usual thing is to just t- tell people to stay mindful. So that's it. Stay mindful, guys. That's all for today. If you enjoyed the episode, leave us a review. If you enjoyed it, let us know what you think. And until next week, as usual, much love, much appreciated. Peace and love. Peace out. The real you.